0: Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. Hey, um, I'm Pastor Billy. I have the privilege of serving on staff here as the pastor of discipleship. And um, we're just grateful to have you, whether you're church family or you're visiting with our family. We're glad to have you. If you are visiting, keep coming back. Our lead pastor will be back in three weeks. And um, he's on a sabbatical right now, but he'll be back uh, joining us in three weeks. And next week, uh, next week we're going to worship just the same, but we're just going to celebrate uh, we're going to celebrate what God does through Bible School and through Best Week Ever, so you don't want to miss next week. And the following Sunday, we'll begin a new series in the month of August. Um, but anyway, here we are. Uh, I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. A quick story, a quick story on that song. Um, when my daughter Ella, who is my oldest, this was August 10th, 2018. My wife recorded this in her journal. Uh, so she was just, she's six years old now. Uh, she was two at the time, and we liked the old hymns. That's what I grew up on, so we're often playing those, or my wife singing them, or our Echo Dot, right? Amazon, Alexa, you might call it. That's what's singing to us. Um, and so we would play these songs ever since the, the kids were little, um, and, uh, and we'd played this song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. And one day, Ella, two years old, looked at her mom and said, uh, Mommy, don't I follow Jesus? She said, yeah. She said, Daddy gonna follow Jesus? Yeah. Demo gonna follow Jesus? Yeah. Dan Daddy gonna follow Jesus? Uh, yeah. Ella, uh, they're gonna follow Jesus. And Ella got excited. Ella got excited and she said, she said, uh, uh, mommy gonna do with Jesus. I'm so excited. <laughs> and, and Hillary said, well, why? And she said, mommy and Demo and Dan Daddy. I'm, Like I don't have a speech impediment. That's my. That's how she. That's how she talks. A two-year-old. I'm trying to give you all of it. Uh, Going to follow Jesus. And then there was this sense, like she she became emphatic, almost like a a little panicked. But she was like, I don't want to miss this. And she said, Me, me want to follow Jesus. Me don't follow Jesus. And Hillary assured her, You, you can follow Jesus. And so she, she went to sing the song. She said, "Uh, Me going to follow Jesus. Now turn around. Now turn it around. Right? We sang it, no turning back, but in her mind she heard, now turn around, which actually, she's two years old, but it makes sense, right? If you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to turn around and go the other direction. So that's where we're going this morning. Uh, the sermon is titled, The Way, The Way, Self-Denial in a World of Self-Fulfillment. And I know you want to applaud that, but please, withhold your applause until the end, okay? Self-denial gets you really excited this morning, as it does everyone. I wish we had several weeks to work through this topic of discipleship to Jesus uh, more deeply that I've been gleaning on the last few years and especially the last few months, but we have today. And so today I want to get to the foundational level, the foundational point of discipleship to Jesus during our time together in God's Word. Discipleship is a daily discipline. It's a daily practice to follow Jesus one step at a time, uh, one day at a time. Pastor John Mark Comer says this, he says, and and it's on the screen, to experience the life of Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. To experience the life of Jesus, that's what I'm here for, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. He says it can best be described this way. It's to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. Dallas Willard, um, author and scholar, he says this. He says that the disciple of Christ desires above all else to be like him. Is that your desire above all else today? The disciple of Christ desires above all else to be like him. He continues, when Jesus walked among humankind, there was a certain simplicity to being a disciple. Primarily, it meant to go with him in an attitude of study. right? So a word that best translates in our vocabulary to disciple is apprentice to be an apprentice of Jesus, is to go with him in an attitude of study, obedience, and imitation. And I want to focus on the latter two today, obedience and imitation. Why is that? It's because I believe that today, I believe that today there are too many men and women who are in the church who have become content to be listeners who gain a lot of knowledge, but they never put it into practice in their life. And so maybe maybe that's some of you, here today. Maybe you've never taken action on what you claim to believe. And as we just said, to experience the life of Jesus, we must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. We must follow Jesus in the way. And so our our primary texts are going to be on the screen. We're going to be in Luke 9 this morning. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 9, verse 18. Luke chapter 9 and verse 18. Luke 9 and 18, and this passage is paralleled in Matthew 10 and Matthew 16 in Mark 8. What we're about to read, uh, Jesus reemphasizes time and time again, and the the gospel writers want to capture it. It's not a one-off teaching. It's not something Jesus said one time, and we're going to see that today. Luke 9 and verse 18, and this is how it begins. It says, once when Jesus was praying in private and his disciples were with him, he asked them, who do the crowds say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Peter answered, God's Messiah. Peter gets it right. Verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone, and he said, the Son of Man must suffer Many things, and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed, and on the third day be raised to life. You're right, Peter. I am God's Messiah, and this is what that means. And then he turns, and he says this to all who are with him, all who are listening. Then he said to all of them, verse 23, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me verse 24 for whoever wants to save their life will lose it but whoever loses their life for me will save it what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit their very self or most translations say their very soul so let's quickly move through this as we look at what it means to walk in the way of Jesus the verbs here that Jesus calls calls his disciples to to deny and take up To deny and take up, those are aorist imperative verbs in the Greek. And listen, I am terrible at grammar. That was my lowest score on the ACT, so I'm not a grammar expert, okay? But to deny and to take up, those are aorist imperative verbs in the Greek which carry the sense of a command to do this now, They carry urgency. So Jesus says to all, he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, you must. It is urgent that you deny yourself. It it is urgent that you do this now. Take up your cross. And denying ourselves, listen, denying ourselves, no one in here would raise their hand and say denying ourselves is easy. It's not easy. But it requires you and I to daily jettison self-reliance. That's to to dump off. Jettison means to throw overboard. Literally, to throw off self-reliance as my friend Dave Gilbert, who is part of our family here, would say, to jettison the junk in my life, to throw off self-reliance, and to rely completely on the Holy Spirit, who alone can energize you and I for the deadly task by giving us actually the desire and the power to kill our demanding and relentless selfish tendencies in our hearts. Deny yourselves and take up your cross daily. Take up your cross daily. Now, Jesus' words here about taking up the cross are foreshadowing the death in which he's going to die. He just mentioned it in the sentence before. He says what will happen to him, that he'll be killed, that he'll be crucified. And so he's foreshadowing the way he's going to die, and he's calling on his followers, those who would follow him then and those who will follow him now, to identify themselves fully with him to the point of being willing to die as he did, and many of them actually did. Why daily? Why does the author emphasize to take up our cross daily? Why is it not just this one-time thing where we make a commitment, where we say yes, where we realize that we're a sinner and we say, okay, I'll, I'll walk in that way. No, it's a daily thing. Why? Because I don't know about you, but every morning when I get up, this challenge faces me. Every morning when I get up, fallen flesh is still depraved and not completely dead until we reach glory. And my flesh will prompt me to do it my way today maybe that's just me but it's it's daily because my flesh is prompting me to do it my way today but we have the promise that by the power of the spirit I can choose to do it the Jesus way and remember there is no day off Kerry, former pastor here, a mentor of mine, he, he used to say it this way, uh, this prayer to begin your day, Lord, have your way in your clay today. Now, that's a prayer of surrender, because you're letting loose of control. Daily, take up your cross, and what? And follow me, Jesus says, follow me. Follow me, that, that verb phrase there is a present imperative And I bring these to to attention because they matter. It's a present imperative. It emphasizes a continuous habitual action. He says, Follow me habitually as a lifestyle. Don't just follow me on Sundays or when it's convenient or when you're not on vacation or if you haven't been to the beach this year, welcome to the beach. He says, Follow me habitually as a lifestyle. And listen, the idea that Jesus is emphasizing here, this idea of following should be quite simple to grasp for most of us. Maybe you're like me and you probably played follow the leader as a child. Yeah, anybody remember that game, follow the leader? We still play it with our kids right now. Follow the leader. And what is the only objective? What's the only rule? What's the only aim of that game? I saw Sarah Kinzer lip it. It's to follow the leader, right? To follow the leader and do exactly as he or she does. That's the rule of the game, the only rule of the game. The leader can do whatever they want, but you follow the leader and you do exactly as he or she does. No one must shrink back from going where the leader has gone or you're out. If you don't follow the leader and do what they do, you're out. You're disqualified from the game. And so this idea of following Jesus should be easy to grasp for us. What comes to mind for me is the classic Disney movie, Peter Pan. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And John and Michael and Wendy are in Neverland. And Peter tells the Lost Boys to take John and Michael and play a game. And so they go through the forest of Neverland. And they play follow the leader. Right? And the song's says, following the leader, the leader, the leader. Following the leader, wherever he may go. "Deedum, dum I'm not going to sing it for you. Following the leader, wherever he may go. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, if you're going to follow after me... You gotta be willing to follow me wherever I go, even if it's to the cross. Follow me. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Listen, Jesus was saying this over and over and over to all of those who would follow him. This was not a secret teaching for his close disciples, a select few, but this is one that Jesus repeated over and over and over throughout the Gospels. So why have we so often missed these critical words of Jesus in American Christianity? Perhaps there's too much culture in the church. Because this is not an additional, this is not a supplementary teaching of Jesus. If you want to go a little bit deeper, It's not an elective class for a follower of Jesus. If you want to be on the next tier, then you've got to deny yourself and take up your cross. No, this is is mandatory discipleship 101 for every believer in Jesus. This call of Jesus is the foundation in following after him in the way. In the way of self-denial and not self-fulfillment. It would be one thing if this were a solitary teaching that we were just pulling out uh, from Jesus, but that's not the case. He repeats this over and over and over so that his followers would not miss the importance of this truth. And I want us to see it today. Look down in Luke 9, uh, uh, verse 57. Just drop down a little further. I'm going to show you, he, he's re-emphasizing this over and over. Luke 9 and verse 57, it says, As they were walking along the road, this is Jesus and, and all those who were following after him. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. That sounds like commitment, doesn't it? Jesus, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus replied, Are you sure about that, brother? No, that's not what he said. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said, okay, you will follow me wherever I go. Well, you may be homeless tonight. And then he says to another man, this is Jesus speaking now, he looks at another man and says, follow me. But the man replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now in our context, that seems reasonable, Right? The man's dad has died. i got to go take care of the funeral service. Uh, uh, That seems respectable. But in this culture, that's a euphemism for, uh, I just heard you tell the first guy you're homeless. Uh, Let me go get my affairs in order. Let me see my parents off in their old age. Uh, Let me see them die off. Uh, Let me bury them. I'll receive the inheritance. Uh, Get to where I'm comfortable, and then I'll follow you, Jesus. That's what's implied in the guy's phrase. And that's not my opinion. He says, let me go bury my father first. Jesus said to him, let the dead, and you see what Jesus knows what he's talking about because look at Jesus' response. Jesus isn't mean. Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And still another said, I will follow you, Lord. Sounds like the first guy, right? Then he adds this, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. But first, I'm not done with my stuff back here. Let me go tie up the loose ends and and then i'll follow you just let me do it my way and we'll be okay and jesus replied no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of god this is discipleship 101 and there are such different responses to Jesus' call to follow him as a disciple. We see James and John and Peter and Andrew, and they're literally mending their nets in the family business. And Jesus calls them to follow him, and they leave everything. They leave their jobs, they leave their security, they leave their family, and they follow after Jesus in the way. And then there's the half hearted, non committal response that says, I really just want Jesus because I'm hoping. He can give me all my desires. That He can give me the good life. And so we find in our lives so many excuses to try and justify our lack of self-denial and commitment to the way of Jesus. Often just wanting the benefits without the cost. But listen, family, this is the doorway to discipleship. Denying yourself, taking up your cross daily and following after him is the doorway into the life that Jesus has promised to those who will come after him. I love the word of God. I mean, what we're reading, um, it's not vague. Jesus is never vague and he gets to the point so much that sometimes, sometimes if we're honest, we have trouble with what he's saying and we try to soften it. We try to soften it so we don't have to actually, actually commit to what he's calling us to do. So we try to make it more digestible. But I want you to look in Luke 14. Luke 14, and notice this, that every time in the Gospels, and maybe you've never noticed this, but you'll see it from here on out. Notice every time in the Gospels that a large crowd, you can look at John 6 later if you want, every time large crowds begin following Jesus, he says something like he's about to say. He says something absolutely so ridiculous that those who are not committed can no longer follow after him. They either have to make a decision to commit fully or they realize the absurdity of their half-hearted commitment. Listen, this what Jesus does is anti-church growth tactics, Jesus style, okay? This is what you do if you don't want to grow your church. And so Jesus, Luke 14 and verse 25, that was supposed to be a joke. Um, it says large crowds were traveling with Jesus. There you go, large crowds. He had a mega church. I mean, at one time he preached to 15,000 people and fed them. I love this. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, This if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Now, listen, teenagers, he's not, some of y'all are like, okay, I'm tracking you, Jesus okay, mom and dad have been been laying down the rules and I'm not liking it very much. I think I can handle this. Listen, he's not giving you permission to hate someone in your family. He's saying your commitment, your relationship with any other human being should look like hatred in your love and commitment towards me. In comparison, they should not be in comparison. Verse 27, and whoever does not carry their cross and follow me, there it is again. I think he's trying to make a point cannot be my disciple and then he gives these two examples he gives these two these two stories to show what it looks like to count the cost of following him to count the cost of discipleship to him he says suppose one of you wants to build a tower and I know that this is your, some of you are tracking because the last thing on your to-do list this summer is build a tower so follow me to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000. If he's not able, he'll send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. Verse 33, in the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. He says it again. Those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. Listen, I know that this teaching is not popular this is not an easy word it wasn't an easy word in Jesus' day it wasn't popular 2,000 years ago and it's not popular in 2022 we see a personal story we see a personal story of a man responding to this call Luke 18 beginning in verse 18 it says a certain ruler asked him good teacher what must I do to inherit eternal life what do you call me good? Jesus answered no one's good except God alone You know the commandments, so Jesus rallies them off, right? Uh, You should not commit adultery, don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, honor your father and mother. And the guy says, okay, I've kept all of those. I've kept the list. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, you still lack one thing. Jesus says, okay, but you still lack one thing. There's still one thing in your life that you're not willing to deny so that you can take up your cross and follow me in the way that leads to life. He said, you still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. And when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. Listen, it's it's not a sin to have wealth. The man's sin was that the wealth had him. He wasn't willing to live with his hands open towards God. And, And so Jesus said, you lack one thing. And that thing was an obstacle for this man to actually take up his cross and follow Jesus in the way. And listen, all of us today, if we're honest, we have an obstacle or perhaps many obstacles in some of our lives that keep us from truly experiencing life to the full that Jesus promises in his word. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's sex. Maybe it's power or jealousy or unforgiveness. Maybe it's a relationship or busyness or a deep need for control. I don't know what it is. But Jesus exhorted all who thought of becoming disciples to count the cost carefully. And he asked the same of you and I today. Phil Newton commentates on this invitation, this call, that we must deny ourselves and take up our cross daily and follow after Jesus. In the way, he says this, he says, It's no slap on the wrist over some little desire. It's an alteration of one's life. It involves the essence of repentance in turning from self and sin in order to turn obediently to the Lord. Listen, church family, at the center of our faith stands a symbol, and that symbol is the cross. The way of Jesus is the way of the cross, and after thousands of years removed from its use, I think we've become a little numb and indifferent to the image, the symbol of the cross. Yes, we wear it on jewelry and put it on T-shirts and even perhaps get a tattoo of it, But for those in Jesus' day, when he said this, it would have been jaw-dropping, absolutely gut-wrenching, and at the least, extremely uncomfortable for him to say, you must take up your cross daily. It wasn't a, a fun little phrase that they attached to their bumper sticker. When he said this to them, it wrenched them in the gut because they knew what the cross was. They knew that in their day it was the most shameful way to die and actually the Romans made an art form of it but it was so shameful to die on a cross that it was against Roman law for a Roman citizen to be crucified no matter how serious the offense. A Roman could not be crucified because it was so shameful. The gospel writers, if you actually read all the gospel accounts of the crucifixion, they can't even describe it in any detail what took place only to say and there they crucified him. You don't get the picture of the passion with all the details and and the blood. That's not in here. That's from understanding what took place during crucifixion. The gospel writers can only say, and there they crucified him. It was inhumane, it was grotesque, and appalling, and a shameful way to die. And so the way of Jesus is the way of the cross. Because you know what the way of the cross is? When someone took up their cross there was no turning back. They were headed in one direction, they had said their goodbyes, and they no longer had any plans of their own. And that's the way that Jesus calls you and I into. You want a semi-modern day illustration? When the Spanish explorer Hernando Cortez landed at Veracruz, Mexico in 1519, he was intent on conquest. To assure the devotion of his men, Cortez set fire to his fleet of 11 ships. He burned the ships. With no means of retreat, Cortez's army only had one direction to move, into the Mexican interior. Cortez understood the price of commitment, and he paid it. What does the way of Jesus look like? It looks like burning the ships and fixing our eyes in one direction, in one way. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. We get another picture of, of what this response should look like in Matthew 13 and verse 44. It says, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. So there's this field, there's a treasure, and, it, and there's a man walking through the field. He finds the treasure, he rehides it. He rehides it, and it says that he joyfully goes and sells everything he has. He literally cashes out the bank, sells all his possessions, gets rid of everything, and he comes and buys the field so he can have the treasure. Jesus says that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. And that's what it's worth. It's worth everything. And this example in Matthew stands in stark contrast to the story in Luke 18 of the rich ruler who went away sad because he had great wealth. So I ask ask you this morning, which, which of these reflects your heart? Which posture reflects your heart today to the call of Jesus to be his disciple? Some of you might ask, is Jesus trying to destroy our personality, our uniqueness, our humanity? No. Following in the way of Jesus actually makes us more fully human. We actually become that which we were created to be originally. Our true selves in him. And listen, denying ourselves, the the call to deny ourselves means there's no room for mixed standards in our way of living in discipleship to Jesus. Jesus. Paul writes in Galatians 5, and some of you know it, he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. He talks about the fruit of the Spirit, this fruit that's produced in our lives when we're walking in step with God's Holy Spirit. And he says, so walk by the Spirit and not by the flesh. And he lists all these things about, you know, walking in the flesh, sexual morality, impurity, idolatry, hatred, jealousy, selfish ambition. He lists these, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and forbearance and kindness, goodness, goodness. And listen, trying to deny yourself on your own strength, some of you have tried to do it over and over and over until you're exhausted. And I've been there because I did it. And you can't do it. You can't deny your fleshly passions on your own strength. But God's word gives us the power for effectively denying ourselves daily. And it's found in Titus 2 and verse 11. Paul's writing to Titus and he says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. So what's the power? It's the grace of God through the indwelling of his Holy Spirit. Because some of y'all are like, I hear what Jesus is saying, but that that just sounds impossible. And that's why he makes possible what he calls us to. He gives us the desire and the power to deny ourselves, to crucify our flesh when we repent and yield ourselves to him. And listen, friends, that leads us to experience the full and abundant life that Jesus promises to his follower and disciples. Listen, Jesus knows the cards. When he says this teaching, when he, when he calls his followers to this time and time again, Jesus knows that anything that it's going to cost them temporarily is not even worth comparing to what they're going to gain. Life in him now and life with him forever. And so the bottom line of discipleship to Jesus is this, and it's on the screen. The bottom line of discipleship to Jesus is if you want to follow Jesus, then first you must die if you want to follow Jesus then first you must die Jesus had to die for your sin and my sin to defeat sin and death this is the gospel and so is it really is it really unthinkable that we too must die to self to be genuine followers of Jesus when the will of God crosses the will of man somebody or something has to die. And one commentator said it this way. He said, if you don't deny yourself, you're going to deny Jesus. It might not be intentionally. It might not be with your words, but it could be especially in your actions. If you don't deny yourself, you're going to deny Jesus, and that denial is a daily requirement in our lives. Deny ourselves and take up our cross daily. So what's up? Why why this message? I suggested at the beginning that perhaps there's too much much culture in the church. And let me go there for a minute before we we wrap up our time, because walking in the way of Jesus is walking in a way of self-denial rather than self-fulfillment. Our world is about self-fulfillment. Here's a few quotes on that from our culture. That just shows you how easily it can infiltrate. This just shows what's going on. This is a quote by uh, Peter Dunov, and these people are not in the church. This is just our cultural view on self-fulfillment. He says, do not look for happiness outside yourself. The awakened seek happiness inside. Kamal Ravinkant uh, from a book titled Live Your Truth. Live Your Truth. That's the second book. The first book by this author was titled Love Yourself Like Your Life Depends On It. Wow. I will pass. Um, Kamal Raman Kant writes this. I promise you that the same stuff galaxies are made of, you are the same energy that swings planets around stars, makes electrons dance in your heart. It is in you, outside you. You are it. It is beautiful. Trust in this, and your life will be grand. John Mark Comer says the mantra of our Western culture, the mantra of our culture is: be true to yourself. You have your own way of realizing your deepest fulfillment. And any form of external authority is coercive and controlling, whether that be God or a community or your parents. So the mantra of the culture is freedom in our culture now. The mantra, freedom is no longer pursuing that which is good and honorable and true. Freedom is now defined by doing whatever the heck you want as long as you don't perceive it's just hurting somebody else. Why is that? It's because we really don't like authority in our Western American culture. We don't like authority in our lives. Our country was actually founded upon the rejection and rule of a governing authority. Our country was founded because we didn't want to be uh, under authority. We prefer autonomy in our lives. That's self-governance. Our culture declares we are our own authority. The gospel of Jesus says that Jesus is Lord. The Western gospel emphatically says I am Lord. Keep your laws off my body. Be yourself however you see fit and feel like being it. And listen, a lot of what we're seeing around us, that has even gotten into some sections of the church. It it began in the 60s and 70s. There was the sexual liberation movement. And some of you you lived through this, but we're seeing the fruit of that even today. You know what I'm talking about. And, And this movement that began in the 60s and 70s said that any kind of denial of sexual desire is thought of as behind the times. If it comes from yourself, then it's seen as repressive. If it comes from others, it's seen as oppressive. This movement assumes you should be able to express and find sexual satisfaction whenever you want, however you want, with whoever you want. And I'm here to say that as the people of God, as the people of God living according to the way, we absolutely reject these ideals and assumptions. Ross Duthat, an author, he writes this about our nation. He says, in this America too, but this is, I'm talking about the church and the culture and and this this interplay. He says, in this America too, the Christian teaching that every human soul is unique and precious has been stressed by the prophets of self-fulfillment and gurus of self-love at the expense of the equally important teaching that every human soul is fatally corrupted by original sin. Absent the latter emphasis... Religion then becomes a license for egotism and selfishness. Easily employed to justify what used to be considered deadly sin. The result is a society where pride becomes healthy self-esteem. Vanity becomes self-improvement. Adultery becomes following your heart. And greed and gluttony become living the American dream. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves... And take up their cross daily and follow me. Listen, in the way of Jesus, in the way of the cross, if you're a follower, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you can't be anything you want to be any way you want to be it. And that's good news. Because you can be all you were created to be. Actually, his way is the only way for that to be a reality in your life. In Luke 9, 20, Jesus says, who do you say that I am? And and Peter declares, Jesus was the Messiah right before Jesus lays down the foundations of discipleship. Jesus says, you are God's Messiah. And so if you're in Christ today, if you have declared Jesus as Messiah, which means that Jesus is king, if you've declared that in your life, kingship means to come under the authority of. If you've declared Jesus as king, that means you are to come under the authority of, and it's by your own free will, not by some act of coercion from someone else. But it's to say, I surrender my autonomy and control to someone else rather than myself. And listen, this flies in the face of all that our culture stands for. Do you feel that tension in your life? Do you feel that tension in your body even today? in your day-to-day, in your relationships, it, when you wake up in the morning to walk in the way of Jesus or to just do it your way, to come under the authority and the kingship of Jesus, or to say, no, I want to I maintain some of my autonomy in my life. I feel it. If not daily, weekly, weekly, But listen, friends, the church, the followers of Jesus are called to be a counter-narrative people in the world in which they live. Enlivened and led by the word, yes, Jesus, and by his word. So what about, what else, what other ways has it infiltrated the church? And we're gonna get there. We're gonna gonna close shortly. John Mark Comer notes this, and, and it's true of me. And so in my lifetime, we've witnessed the explosion of what's been called the prosperity gospel. Right? It's this gospel message that says, if you follow Jesus, you'll be healthy and wealthy and happy, and all of your deepest desires can be fulfilled. Just follow the way of Jesus. Jesus becomes more like a genie. It's called the prosperity gospel. And I just want to note, if you're new to Jesus or to the church or just perhaps uh, immature in your spiritual walk with Jesus right now, if there's a word in front of the word gospel, then you're off to a bad start whether it's the prosperity gospel or the reformed gospel or the social gospel. If you put a word in front of the word gospel, you're off to a bad start. It's just the gospel. It's the teaching and revelation of Jesus found directly in his word. But when I was younger, the prosperity gospel camp was something that belonged to some small group of people who were more charismatic and they were kind of out there somewhere. But in my lifetime, within the last couple of decades or so, we saw it blow up into mainstream through multiple televangelists like Joel and others. And now in recent years, it's taken on a new look, a new vibe through young and hipster churches that I'm not going to name this morning. I'm not going to go there. But this gospel is not a gospel of self denial, it's a gospel of self gratification. My two-year-old said, I've decided to follow Jesus. Now turn around. This gospel says, I've decided to follow Jesus. I'm just going to keep living my life, and he's going to bless it. And listen, I confess that I'm far too guilty of shaking my head and thinking, man, we got it right. I got it right. Here we are, even as a church, right? Here we are about to start a week of sacrificing our time to serve the community. We just finished a series in the Old Testament. We are so spiritual. We are definitely not like those people who believe that stuff. But I want you to look at this quote by Sky Jatani. I think it's on the screen here. It says, my secret is that I want to be relevant and popular. This is in a book uh, titled The Divine Commodity. My secret is I want to be relevant and popular. I want my desires fulfilled and pain minimized. I want a manageable relationship with an institution rather than messy relationships with real people. I want to be transformed into the image of Christ by showing up at entertaining events rather than through the hard work of discipline. I want to wear my faith on my sleeve and not look at the darkness in my heart. And above all, I want a controllable God. I want a divine commodity to do my will on earth as well as in heaven. Now that just must be him. I know that doesn't apply to any of us. Mark Sayers, he, he's another writer, author, uh, pastor. In his book, Disappearing Church, he says this. He says, we subtly imbibe the implicit prosperity gospel through consumerism and advertising, but also through viewing the lives of other Christians who seem to lead amazing and meaningful and pleasure-filled lives. We only have to trawl through our Instagram feeds to find pastors and believing musicians, artists, authors, and activists who seem to live incredible lives These people seem to have the best of both worlds. They follow Jesus and they get to travel. They live in cool neighborhoods and hang with really interesting people. They have incredible marriages or they rock the single life. And they connect with the most amazing people. We do not recognize the way in which the implicit prosperity gospel affects us until our unspoken expectations are not met. We understand that God would ask people in the two-thirds world to give up things, to sacrifice But our heresy, hidden under the surface, is our belief that God would not ask Western people to deny themselves. Hmm. So maybe some of you are asking, does Jesus want me to just be miserable? (laughs) No way. No way. St. Ignatius of Loyola notes this sin is unwillingness to trust that what God wants is our deepest happiness. He wants our deepest happiness. And until I'm absolutely convinced of this, I'll do everything I can to keep my hands on the controls of my life because I think I know better than God what I need for my fulfillment. The worship team's coming now to prepare as we prepare to respond. And as they come, I, I, I want to note that in this message, this call of Jesus is not about condemnation. The Spirit of God is not about condemnation and shame. That does not come from God. But the Spirit of God is about conviction. And I hope you know what that feels like in your life. I hope you know what it feels like when the Spirit of God is convicting you. Because Jesus' call to commitment is not optional. It's not supplementary. It's not for an upper class of Christian. This is the foundation for following after Jesus in the way. I've been on this journey seeking to understand this more deeply and live this out over the last three or four years in my own life. And and God's invited me to deny myself in ways that seem dramatic, drastic, And at first, some of them are like, are you serious, God? You feel this nudging. You feel this pull in your heart. You feel the Holy Spirit convicting you. And you try to justify all the reasons why that's silly. That doesn't matter. You can find another way. Uh, You'll give something else up. And until you actually yield yourself, until you deny yourself and say, I take up my cross daily, you'll not experience the peace on the other side of that. You didn't need that thing all along. And God's inviting you into deeper intimacy. He's inviting you into his way. So what is it? What is it that the Holy Spirit's pressing in on your life today? Maybe it's just to surrender your life to him. Maybe it's a Wi-Fi habit. Maybe it's your usage of social media. Maybe it's the way you spend money. Maybe it's gossiping lips. Maybe it's a relationship in your life that keeps you from truly loving and following the way of Jesus. Maybe it's a habit a busy schedule or it could be a number of a hundred plus other things that seem so insignificant but they ultimately elevate you and turn your heart inward day by day. Oswald Chambers said examine the things this is on a sticky note above my desk up here examine the things you tend simply to shrug your shoulders about And where you've refused to be obedient, and you'll know why you're not growing spiritually. Listen, discipleship is a daily discipline. We follow Jesus in the way, a step at a time, a day at a time. And so I want you to ask yourself today, are you following Jesus on his terms or yours today? There's only one way. There's only one way to follow him. And this is the way Jesus lays it out. Yes, there is a cost to discipleship. That's something we should take seriously. There is a cost to following Jesus. But there's also a cost of non-discipleship. And it's far, far greater. The cost of non-discipleship will cost you peace. It'll cost you a life filled with God's holy love. It'll cost you the type of faith that can see everything in light of trusting God's grace and sovereign hand in your life cost you real abiding hope and at the foundational level it's going to cost you relationship with the God of the universe Jesus said what good is it for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their very soul Jesus promises if you come after him with your whole heart that you will find that he is indeed enough would you pray with me Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you that you're not vague, that you don't tiptoe around and leave us guessing, but God, you cut straight to our hearts. I pray today, God, for each and every one in the room that this would be a moment of decision. Perhaps there's those in the room who have never said yes to relationship with Jesus, and today is the day. Today is the day they want to take that step. They want to fix their eyes in one direction and find life to the fullest. True, eternal, overflowing life because they're tired of trying and they're ready to die to themselves and to live for you. God, and there's those in the room who have been walking with you. They're they're familiar with church. They're familiar with your word. But truly, if they were honest with themselves today, God, if we were honest with ourselves, we would say, I've not been very faithful in walking in the way There's some things in my life that I need to deny so that I can truly take up my cross daily and follow after Jesus in the way that his way would be my lifestyle so that I would become like him. I pray, God, as we receive the elements, as we respond, God, that that would be the posture of our heart and that we would trust that you truly are enough for us. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.